0: One of the uh, one of the jokes that you have to put up with from time to time, if you're a preacher, is something to the effect of, "You've got plenty of time. You only work one day a week." And um, you know, if I'm if I'm cranky or kind of hangry, uh, I might give you a little side eye for that remark. But but ordinarily, I, you know, I kind of think it's funny too, and I even tell that joke myself about myself because the longer I've been in ministry. The more I've realized that the, the pastor is just a weird job, uh, and that most people don't understand what we do, and, and I'm not sure I don't always understand what I'm doing, but but we don't we don't make anything, right? I don't make widgets and sell to you, and so we have a hard time coming up with metrics to be like, well, what what has he what what has he done this week? And so what I want to do this morning, I know this is kind of a weird sermon, but I want us to think about what elders do, uh, what pastors do as a teaching elder, and then what your ruling elders are called to do as well. Uh, and in doing this, I would I would hope you would get a better understanding of, of what we do and how you should respond to the oversight that elders give to you, and that you would also uh, be better equipped to pray for us and see our need for the, the congregation to be praying for us and I hope, hope you'll conclude, um, uh, to steal from the words of Colonel Nathan Jessup, that you want us on this wall. There's like five of you to remember this movie now. That you want us on this wall and you, you need us on this wall, even if it's hard to quantify exactly what we're doing at times. So uh, let's read, or I'll read, and you can follow. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 15. This is the Word of God. and to everyone let me pray for us father this is your word and i pray holy spirit that you would come and that you would make this word alive to us that it would not be simply me uh, giving a speech but that holy spirit you would actually use these words and impress them upon our hearts uh, and use them even to change us into the image of jesus and we ask it in jesus name amen So what I want to do this morning, I want us to talk about what is the work of an elder. What does an elder in, in Christ's church do? And then how do they prepare themselves to do this work? Why do they do this work? And then how you can help them or how you can respond appropriately to the work that they do. So first of all, what is the work of an elder in God's church? Elders lead, elders shepherd, elders feed, and elders protect. And some of these you're going to see, we'll see in these verses that I read. Some of these I'm going to have to take us to some other places to think about. But first of all, elders lead. Verse 12 uh, refers to those who are over you in the Lord. Um, it's, it's clear in the scriptures that the elders in a particular church carry a degree of authority in that church. And if we're honest, that rubs against us in some ways. It rubs against our American egalitarianism. It rubs against our individualism. It rubs against me, to be honest, too, because I just kind of want to let everybody live and let live and, and, and do your own thing. But the Scripture says that, that certain men are called to positions of spiritual authority and leadership in the local church. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Uh, And and we have to be honest this position of authority that's given to elders has certainly, well, it can be abused and it has been abused at times. But the fact that it has been abused doesn't mean that we just say, well, the heck with elders, the heck with leadership, or the heck with the Bible. abusive biblical principles is always wrong it's always unfortunate it always needs to be corrected but in some way it proves the bible's point right that we are sinners and we all need accountability and we are all in need of jesus and so we as a church have elected elders much as the united states government which is based on a presbyterian form of government elects representatives Um, and and they serve in this leadership capacity. And really, if you think about it, it's a two-way street. Uh, elders watch over us, but the flock has to keep their elder- elders accountable uh, as well. Well, what do elders lead in? How do they lead? Uh, 1 Peter 5 says that elders lead by being an example. By being an example. And so one of the most important things ways in which elders lead is through their character if you read the qualifications for elders in first timothy uh, let me read this the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to be an to the office of overseer he desires a noble task therefore an overseer must be above reproach the husband of one wife sober-minded self-controlled respectable hospitable able to teach not a drunkard not violent but gentle not quarrelsome not a lover of money he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with a conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace and to a snare of the devil." now here's what's interesting about all of that like that's the job description for elders and hardly any of those things are things that they do almost all of those things that paul talks about are description of an elder's character which is why i think one of the most helpful bits of advice a young pastor can receive is make the man not the message and that's an overstatement perhaps but the the thought behind is you work on becoming a godly man and the, the preaching is going to take care of itself god's going to take care of that and so elders lead by setting an example and that fits in with what we talk about as a church in terms of the learning process of discipleship the discipleship is not just teaching although it is teaching but it's also demonstrating and living out a godly life showing what it means to follow jesus christ Uh, that said elders do teach elders are to be able to teach our ruling elders are to be able to teach your your pastor is called specifically to teach and so uh, that's part of of what that's part of how we lead we lead by teaching we lead by uh, making disciples Uh, in order to do that one writer said that means that elders have to grow in prayer discernment counseling spiritual formation, hospitality, conflict resolution, cultural analysis, delegation, and strategic planning. Sounds kind of exhausting. Uh, Elders lead by example. They lead by teaching. They lead by leading, right? We lead by leading. We lead lead by setting the vision and the direction of the church. And so as as I say all that, um, if you haven't figured out that, that your elders need your prayer, you're, you're not paying very much attention. You don't know us very well because we really do need your prayer. So elders lead. Secondly, elders care for the church. Elders are shepherds. Uh, Robert Thune, who wrote the, the book on elders that we use in leadership training, says that, that while he was working on one particular chapter of the book that, that all of these things happened. He had a young woman in their church who slept with an unbeliever and then took the morning after pill and and she was just wrapped with guilt and with shame. And then a couple who had been battling infertility finally got pregnant and then they had a miscarriage and they were just battling being angry with God. And then a man who had been tempted by homosexuality became a believer in Jesus. But then he overdosed on crystal meth twice in one month and he was confused and As you can imagine, very needy. And then an older couple's son was arrested and put in jail on drug and alcohol charges. And they had no idea what they needed to do. And he said all of those things happened within a seven-day period uh, in his church. And elders have to be able to speak into all those different types of situations. They have to speak the truth in love which I think is basically what this text is telling us in in so many words. It's telling us um, that elders have to admonish the idle. In verse 14, admonish the idle and encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak and be patient with them all. And so elders have to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable at times, pointing them all to jesus and so elders are really kind of like spiritual doctors who are to diagnose and treat spiritual conditions using the medicine of the scriptures Um, and i'm going to talk more about how you ought to respond to the oversight of elders at the end of the sermon but let me say this right here uh jump ahead of myself a little bit when you go to the doctor you go to a, a physician a medical doctor uh, the degree of help that he or she can give you in some degree depends on how honest you're being about your symptoms and about what's going on with you. You know, if you're the classic man and you won't go to the doctor, well, they can't really help you then. Or if you go and you're like, you don't want to answer all the intimate questions and all the, you don't want to go through the invasive tests, then they can't really help you very much. And so we have to be revealing uh, about what's going on with us if we're going to get help. Um, I, I think a lot of us, spiritually, are like the, the, the stereotypical man is with doctors. Like, we don't want to go to the doctor. We don't want to go talk to our elders. And if we do, we don't really want to be revealing about what's going on with us. Um, we, we, we don't latch onto the gospel enough to say it's okay if I'm honest here about what my sin is. And so, elders have to be good. At asking questions to try to figure out what's actually going on, which is which is part of the job description, and that's fine. But imagine how much more helpful your spiritual doctors could be if you were actually revealing about what's going on with you. If instead of you know hiding like we all hide, if you were able to come and say, Look, this is these are my doubts, these are my struggles, these are the things going on in my family elders would be able to be much more helpful to you and at the very least even if we don't know what to tell you to do we can at least be more sympathetic and know better how to pray for you so so i, I guess what i'm saying here is it's okay for you to spiritually vomit on your elders all right this you have permission to do that but you also have to be willing to listen to the advice that they give to you uh, after you do that that's that's how elders care for the flock so elders elders lead elders care for the flock elders feed the flock uh, we mentioned this already all of our elders are to be able to teach i'm in particular a teaching elder um, paul tells timothy the young pastor command and teach these things let no one despise you for your youth but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and purity and until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And so elders have to communicate the, the truth and the goodness of God's Word in a variety of settings. Um, I, I think we're kind of like chefs that you've called us and you actually pay me to prepare a meal for you to eat. Uh, you, you want those meals to be prepared well, and you need to eat those meals, you, you, you need to be fed. I like to remind people about preaching that every every meal is not going to be amazing, um, but if you're, but you're eating or you're not eating, that meal is going to determine who you are. It's going it's to add up over time if, if, you, if you skip meals or if you eat meals. like These meals matter. And so elders... Feed the flock in a variety of settings. So lead, care for, feed. And then lastly, elders protect the flock. Acts chapter 20, Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. If you read the pastoral epistles, um, Paul's constantly warning the church about the danger of false doctrine, the need to have right doctrine. And so while we never want to be known as a place that's just like we're just here to slam on everybody, um, we also have a duty to, to guard the doctrine and to guard the teaching of the church. We want to be known more for what we're for than what we're against, but we also have to offer correction at times. Um, you know, and if, if somebody like a, a Joel Osteen is, is teaching crazy prosperity gospel stuff, or Rob Bell saying crazy stuff about hell, then, then and those are those guys have public influence. Then we at times have to say, hey, that's that's kind of off. That's not in line with the scriptures. And they'll be okay because they're going to go on Oprah and she'll make them feel better. And they don't know we're criticizing them anyway. But um, come on, that was funny. That's. That's where you go go to get absolution in this culture is you go on Oprah and she pronounces you clean, but that's a whole other sermon. Um, Doctrine doctrine has consequences, and ideas have consequences. And so elders have to protect the flock. So they lead, they care for, they feed, they protect the flock. Well, that's what they do. How do elders prepare themselves... To do the work that they do, uh, LeBron James has a has a game later today that I, I badly hope he loses. But he he spends a million and a half dollars every year on training and uh, exercise and meals. He has like a trainer who is with him constantly, and and he's got the money to do that. Um, but he knows why does he do that? He knows. That his performance on the court is largely by deter- is largely determined by how he prepares himself off the court. Okay, he hasn't been able to play 15 years at this level by just you know smoking cigarettes and drinking vodka in the offseason. Like he, that man is is paying somebody to for him to be in shape. All right. So what does that look like for elders? What does it look like for us to prepare ourselves? to do the work that we've been called to do. Number one, uh, elders need to be men of prayer. They need to be men of prayer. Uh, They need to be cultivating their own relationship with God. Uh, Eugene Peterson has a, a great quote in his book, The Contemplative Pastor. He says, I want to cultivate my relationship with God. I want all of life to be intimate, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, with the God who made, directs, and loves me. And I want to awaken others to the nature and centrality of prayer. I want to do the original work of being in deepening conversation with a God who reveals himself to me and addresses me by name. I don't want to dispense mimeographed handouts, that's photocopies, uh, that describe God's business. I want to witness out of my own experience. I don't want to live as a parasite on the first-hand spiritual life of others but to be personally involved with all my senses, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. So, an elder needs to be cultivating their own relationship with Jesus, praying, meditating on the scriptures. But also, kind of off the main stage, behind the scenes, they need to be praying for you. Acts 6 one of the reasons deacons are appointed is so that the leaders of the church can devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Uh, Martin Luther once said, I've got so much to do today that I'm going to start by praying for three hours. Uh, And it's said that that his habit was to pray four hours every day. One of my seminary professors one time, in, in a way that was pretty uncharacteristic for him, pretty much challenged our manhood if we were not praying for at least an hour every day. He's like, that's that's a bare minimum if you're going to do this. And so of all the places that you need your elders on that wall, I think prayer is one of the most important and and probably one of the most underestimated. Uh, we underestimate how important it is because it's it's just prayer, right? And and we need action. Uh, but but I think you know and this is kind of general our our prayerlessness is uh, illustrative of our functional deism uh, it's it's the place where we say I am totally dependent on God and then when we don't pray it's like we're saying oh never mind I'm I'm, I'm, I'm really not I've I got to take care of this myself It's it shows our underlying self reliance and even our underlying unbelief in what God is doing and so you want your pastor to be able to carve out chunks of his day simply to be praying. It doesn't look very productive, uh, but it's, it's probably one of the most important things that I can do for you guys. So um, if I'm going to do that well, I need to know how I can be praying for you. And so one of the things I'm going to start doing in the next week or two is sending out an email early, early in the week each week, and I'll probably hit about four or five families a week. And all I'm going to do is ask you, hey, how can I be praying for you? And I want you to respond to that, and feel free to respond to that. Don't you know? Don't don't ignore that. Just send me a reply, uh, and tell me what's going on, so that I can be better able to pray for you. Let your ruling elders know. Let them be know. Let them know how they can pray for you. It's part of what they're called to do. So let them know. Here's how you can pray for me. Um, and, and let me say this as well. Um, kind of while we're on this subject um, you, you guys pay me to do this right this, this is my job alright so y'all are gonna you, we'll make sure I do this you really are not getting paid to do this to do the work of shepherding they, are, they have already busy lives and they're carving out times, time out of the margin of their lives to pray and to shepherd and to teach and to encourage you so man pray for them they have a lot on their plates. And thank them for what they do. Thank them for their willingness to give of their time voluntarily. And encourage them. Encourage them in, in what they're doing. They, they need to know that, that you appreciate the labor that they're doing. Uh, but elders need to pray. Elders need to, to study the Word and, and feed on the Word. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Uh, Elders have to carve out time to feed on the word themselves if they're going to be in any position to feed others. It's kind of like a a mama bird chewing up the food before she gives it to the baby bird. And I I was reading like some people do this too. Y'all heard this? Is anybody doing this? All right. Well, no, don't tell me. I don't want to know that. Um, A better illustration, perhaps, is you guys know when you're on the airplane and they're giving you the oxygen mask routine at the beginning. What do, what do they always tell you if that thing drops? What are you supposed to do? Even if you've got three children sitting next to you, you don't put the mask on them first. You put the mask on yourself first. Because if you don't have that mask on yourself, you're not going to be any, in any position to help anybody else. And so elders have to be putting the oxygen mask of the Word of God On themselves on a regular basis if they're going to be prepared to teach and to lead and to help others. So pray for your ruling elders that they would have those spaces in the margin of their lives to be able to do this. Pray for me that I would be careful in carving out portions of my day to to be able to do this. Uh, and, And one of the things I'll tell you that I do is I know that there are certain times of the day where I study better than others, so I try to intentionally block those times out. Uh, turn off the phone, whatever, so that that I can get those things done. Elders pray, they study the Word, and they listen. Now, listening is something you do like on the stage, right, when you're talking to people. But it's also preparing you. It's the way elders are being prepared to better teach. Because the better we're listening... The, the better we're able to actually apply the Word of God to your particular situation. And so, again, we have to know what's going on in your life to be able to stand up in, in or our, our one-on-one or whatever and give instruction to you. Um, so, prayer, studying, listening, um, in order to, to, to speak... Helpfully, in order to speak the truth in love, these are things elders have to be doing. And and let me say this also those are largely behind the scenes preparation, but in a lot of ways, that is ministry. That is ministry. Praying, studying, listening, speaking the truth in love, lather, rinse, repeat. Those are kind of the proverbial big rocks of a minister's life pray study listen speak pray study listen speak and do it again and again and like i said earlier i have to guard my time to be able to to do those things because everything else tries to creep in and one of the super helpful things about ministry teams um, is that what ministry teams do is they help me to better guard those big rocks in my own life and they also give you avenues to exercise your gifts in ministry and to serve one another and to serve the larger body of Christ. So it's a it's a huge thing for me to be able to come in and we have a commun- We have a, a after church fellowship plan and I didn't have to touch that at all that Dylan and the community team have just taken care of that. All right. So that helps me. That helps you. That also helps me. Uh, Eugene Peterson again. If I vainly crowd my day with conspicuous activity or let others fill my day with imperious demands, I don't have time to do my proper work to which I have been called. How can I lead people into the quiet place beside the still waters if I am in perpetual motion? How can I persuade a person to live by faith and not by works if I have to juggle my schedule constantly to make everything fit into place? So there's this behind the scenes work that elders have to do in order to be in order to be prepared to do the own stage scene work and the reality is 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 there's a sense in which that behind the scenes work is actually the work so pray for us pray pray for me pray for your ruling elders that we would have the margin to actually give attention to the work that nobody sees. Alright? Because that's that's some of the most important part. Now why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do elders do the work that they do? Number one, they do it for God's glory. Uh, that, that God would be honored and glorified and worshipped. That, that the goodness of Jesus would be seen. And secondly, we do it that, that you might become more like Christ. Christ. Uh, Paul says we labor to present everyone mature in Christ. And so your elders want to help you become more like Jesus. We want you to to grow. We want you to flourish. We want you to to know God better and, and love him more. We want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so just as a teacher, like a teacher gets excited, right, when somebody who's been struggling with a math problem, like they finally figure out how to do that. Or a basketball coach when one of their players finally learns how to do a left-handed layup. Or a musician finally learns how to do something that's really difficult, an instrument that's really difficult to play. And they figure something out about that. They take joy in that. We take joy in seeing your growth and maturity in Jesus Christ. And so sometimes that means encouraging you. Sometimes that means admonishing you. But it's it's all for the goal of of seeing you grow in Jesus Christ. Now, how do you respond to all that as part of a congregation? Or or, or how can you help elders to actually do their work? Verse 12, Paul says to respect your leaders and to esteem them in love because of their work. Um, So, from now on, I want you to call me the most high, holy, right, reverend, Father Potentate. If you could all try that now. Okay. I really don't care what you call me, uh, within reason, uh, Michael Wilcox, because uh, I know you're thinking of something. Um, I, I really don't care that much about all that stuff. But but I, I think respect is communicated in, in how you talk about your elders, like when they're not present, and in how you receive their counsel when they give you instruction and so to esteem and respect them is, is to listen and to put into practice the things that you're that they are telling you uh the need to happen in your life examine it by the scripture yes yes but if it's in line with the scripture then you need to to give that heed uh john calvin interestingly said that the respect that's to be given to elders is not so much for them But it's for the good of the congregation because congregations actually grow better and flourish when the congregation as a whole is making a practice of giving respect to their elders. And then Paul says to love your elders, Uh, not because we're always so lovable. I, I know we're not, but because of what we're doing, because we're keeping watch over your souls as those you have to give an account for that. Um, so be patient with us You know we're to, we're to be patient with you we, we ask that you be patient with us we are sinners, we screw up we drop the ball on things uh, so be patient with us and pray for us um, so we, we, we've looked at all these things that elders do and how they prepare and why they do it and how you should respond I just want to close with this this last thing Paul says see that uh, the last verse: See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Um, you know, I was thinking about that. If we all put that into practice in our relationships with elders, with our relationship with each other, um, if if I was going into every conversation, not thinking I got to win this conversation, I got to convince. No, if I went into conversation, just going. I want to do good to them. I want to do good for them. And if we were we were able to give each other the benefit of the doubt, like it, when the people come into our lives to speak to us, if we were able to kind of filter that and go, okay, I don't know if I like the way they said that, but I'm going to believe what Paul said, that, that they are actually trying to do good to me. And if, if we were able to think about our conversations in that way with each other, Then what Paul says earlier, be at peace among yourselves, I think that would more naturally happen. And that would be part of the the soil in which uh, our congregation as a whole would grow. So, let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for the church. And thank you for the, the leadership structures you put in place in the church and I I pray for those of us who are elders that we would do our jobs well uh, that we would be loving and encouraging but also not afraid to correct when correction is is needed I pray that uh, those who are elders would be careful to be nourishing their own walk with you and be careful to listen to the things that the congregation as a whole is saying father help us as a congregation to to respect and esteem and to love those uh, you have placed over us. And, and make us especially careful, Lord, uh, to pray for them. And We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.